You're listening to the Fixed Pleasant Podcast, and if my maths are right, then this is the 50th recording, which is a milestone of some sorts, I suppose. Yeah, I wasn't sure we'd get this far, but I am pleased to continue to be making the podcast. I started it in 2016, and it was really a, another form of RPG creative outlet. It's made, certainly made me think more about the way I structure my games. This episode is nothing fancy. I want to talk about Michael Faber's Under the Skin, and also the film adaptation by Jonathan Glazer, starring Scarlett Johansson, if you know it, which has also got a really brilliant score by Mika Levi. So we're going to start with the synopsis, then talk about themes, and then I'm going to talk about the difference between the book and the film, and then we'll get on to the role-playing bit as usual. Here we go. We first encounter Isley driving in remote parts of rural Scotland, picking up hitchhikers. We suppose that she is some kind of sexual predator or nymphomaniac, as she's fixated on their physique. They must be well-muscled, strong, well-proportioned. But we soon find out that is not her motivation. It's altogether more sinister, and we start to suspect her of being a serial killer. She studies her victims. Her victims are all hitchhikers, and she studies them, asking them careful questions about whether they have family or other people who will miss them. And it's only later we discover that Italy isn't human at all. She's an oddly proportioned human shape, and that's because originally she was a quadrupedal animal from a race that refers to itself as human and to our race as Wurzel. She's an extraterrestrial, an employee of the Vest Corporation, where on her home planet, Wurzel meat is a rare and fantastically expensive delicacy. She's been subjected to physical modification in order to pass as human so that she can drive her battered vehicles up and down the stretches of road, picking up hitchhikers and then surreptitiously flicking a switch on the dashboard to inject them with a paralytic, whereupon they're taken to a farm, mutilated and chemically cleaned, fattened up, before finally being slaughtered to be taken back to her own planet. Throughout the story, we learn of Isari's predicament. She was once beautiful, but nevertheless, she was sent to the oxygen pits in her planet um, to work in a fairly menial, lower-class and miserable job. Apparently, her race has all but destroyed their planet, ravaging it for its natural resources. Although she is in constant pain from her physical modifications to pass as human, She's also in awe of the planet that she's come to live on, where water is plentiful, as is oxygen. There's greenery, life, trees. Although Isley resents her existence, the constant pain that she's in, and the monotonous task that she does, we also know that she is privileged in a way that there are others just like her who are crying out to do the job that she does, so that they similarly don't have to work in the horrible conditions that the lower classes are subjected to back on her home planet. When she meets the son of the head of the Vest Corporation, who stows away on the ship that has come to take away the parcels of meat every month, her perspective on the meat trade is challenged strongly by the young man, who is described as beautiful and obviously attractive to Isri, but he's also part of the privileged upper class. And it's all very well for him to say, well, if you don't like the job you're doing, simply stop. And we should stop eating vodsal. We should maybe be vegetarians. But 
Frisbee, who can't really see a way out of her situation, that she has to keep driving along these stretches of road, picking up strangers, abducting them so that they may be slaughtered. This is the suggestions of someone who's never really had to get their hands dirty in their life. Eventually this character goes away, but it does have a profound effect on Isri, and she demands to see the treatment of one of the Vodsal who she's brought in, to see how they are cleaned for the herd and at the end of their time slaughtered. And we learn through seeing this that the other members of the farm are much like animal farmers in our society, or at least we hope they would be. They have a respect and they certainly don't want to cause any suffering to their Vodsal herd. They take no pleasure in what they do and they make the butchery as quick and humane as possible. But Isra's reaction is one of almost sadism and lust when she finally gets to witness them slaughtering one of the animals. Unfortunately, it's not a particularly happy end for Isri. It's a miserable job that she's done. She's been in constant pain, and she has very little to look forward to. It's a good ending to the book, I feel, but it's also a bit of a downer. Now, theme-wise, it's obviously a satire on farming methods and the sorts of people who do these jobs, but it's not just that. It also inverts the concepts of human. Isri, as far as she's concerned, is human, as are the people she works with. And we are cattle. We're not to be regarded with any sorts of feelings, even though she is acutely aware that those passengers she picks up are intelligent, they have families and they have uh, a moral compass to a certain extent and a sense of society and belonging that goes beyond that of a simple herd animal. And the book touches upon a number of aspects of modern life and the way that we view the luxuries that we get and the convenience with which we get it and the sacrifices that some people have to make so that we can have those luxuries those conveniences it also pokes our middle class sensibilities about how easy it is just to fix the problems particularly for people whose social situation is totally unlike ours now the themes in the book if we want to pick them out for role-playing material are going to be tricky one of the things i was thinking about when i thought about doing this book for this episode was should role-playing games have a point? Should they make a grim and serious point about the social situation, the reality that they're trying to portray? In the 90s, I went to see one of the few screens there was of The Nine Lives of Thomas Katz by Ben Hopkins, a really fantastic and weird and wacky film that I recommend that you track down. But it was notable because Ben Hopkins was there and he was giving a Q&A after the film screening, which, by the way, was a German one with had German subtitles. It's an English-language film. It's apparently because there were so few reels of this film and they'd lost one in the post, so they had to have another one couriered over from Berlin, probably. Anyway, Ben Hopkins stood up and people asked him questions. And one of the people in the audience, who was obviously a bit of a film buff and was into analysing the films to quite carefully, said, well, you, you must have had a point in making this. I uh, was trying to, uh, and trying to engage with the director about this. And Hawkins said something that has always struck with me. I wanted to make a piece of nonsense, and if all I had was a point, I could just write it down on a piece of A4 paper and give it to you in the street. Under the Skin is obviously making some kind of point about intensive farming, but that isn't the most interesting thing about it. 
interesting thing is the way that it makes the invaders who are preying on us into sympathetic characters whose plights we can still identify with. Italy is in a miserable situation on her home planet, which sounds, to all intents and purposes, deeply unfair and um, very grim. And she has taken an absolutely awful choice to be physically altered and to be in constant pain and to serve as an abductor and assassin of our race to feed the coffers of the Vest Corporation. We know that Vodsal Meat, by the way, is a rare delicacy in that it is effective for political bribes. Its utility and its luxury go beyond simply being a desirable item into the realm of a handy political tool. There are lots of these little things that are just placed here and there in through the book. So let's say the first theme is going to be displacement. Essay comes from somewhere completely different and is trying to blend in as a native in a world that she doesn't belong and has made certain sacrifices to do that. All the time she is trying to understand the people around her and understand the world in which she's found herself and all the time she's also afraid of being dragged back to her old life. Another theme is isolation. Italy is effectively alone. Despite being part of the team at the farm, she has a very solitary job, one which she follows doggedly to the point of ignoring her own needs to be fed and her needs for sleep. At several points she realises that she has not eaten or drunk anything for hours, nor has she slept any reasonable length of time, as she's unable to sleep comfortably for any reasonable time anyway. Another theme we can think about is corporate greed and the corporate structure that essentially sees Italy as a tool, not sympathetically as a useful employee, but simply someone who's been given a remarkable opportunity. Cynically, we might think that they've selected her because she's already working in such miserable conditions that she's most likely to acquiesce to really radical changes to her body in order to serve them in this capacity. There's also the juxtaposition of Italy's lonely rides backwards and forwards through the, through the route she takes to find her victims and the environment of the farm. The entire book takes place either in the car, interacting with Italy and whoever she's picking up, where we get the perspectives of the hitchhikers she picks up, or at the farm, where we know it's essentially safe territory, where everyone is in on the operation. They're all extraterrestrials, and most of them are still in their natural form as quadrupeds with a lot of body hair. I imagine they look something like jackals. What we don't see are the human centres, well, the Vodsal centres, the natives to our world. And in particular, we don't see the law enforcement, the authorities. They steer well clear of those because should they be discovered, then the whole operation would be trashed. And despite them having the technology to stay hidden and being quite careful, they're only limited in number. And that's going to be an interesting point to come along to when we talk about the role-playing game, as the farm has itself a finite resource of people. If the natives wanted to take it by force there's no doubt that we would succeed. And so they've survived by keeping their operation 
compact and being very careful not to attract attention. Now, I'd like to talk about Jonathan Glazer's adaptation of Under the Skin, uh, done in 2013, I believe. Now, if you've read the book, you can sort of fill in the empty spaces that are left in the film, but the film's very spare, it's very minimalist. You're not really given any explanation as to why Scarlett Johansson's character, who in the film is unnamed, in fact she rarely speaks, why she is doing what she does. And indeed what happens to the men that she captures. She appears to entice them into some space by virtue of the promise of sex or something, rather than outright drugging them. The scenes where she does this are strange, surreal and horrific as she's walking into the distance in a totally black room and the men walking behind her who are gradually disrobing suddenly sink into the floor. A mirror-like oily black surface and they continue to walk after her even as they become completely submerged suggesting some kind of infatuation or hypnosis. We later find, see one of them suspended in what appears to be some life-sustaining fluid, and seeing another captive in front of them, suddenly, well, suddenly appear to be eviscerated, leaving their skin behind. And then there's the faintest suggestion that their innards have been turned into a slurry, which is being transported somewhere. But this is the only scene that even hints that this trade might be in meat. Other than that, there's no real explanation as to why they're doing it. Which, of course, leaves you a mental void to fill when you're trying to come up with the reasons for their motivation. Johansson's character is assisted, not in this case, by other people on a farm. We never even get to see any kind of farm. But a biker in fact, possibly more than one biker, who we assume is an extraterrestrial like her and some kind of enforcer who does clean-up duty. After she's seduced and captured her prey, they go in and do what must be done. So they're fulfilling the same purpose. But it's the fact that they are unspeaking, they make no contact with our native humans, and they clearly pursue Johansson wherever she goes with the intent of backing her up and doing the second half of the job that she's starting. We know that Johansson kills. There's a memorable scene on the beach where she murders someone after witnessing two people drown. And we know that she's trying to come to terms with her physical form. At some point she appears to go absent without leave. She finds herself being looked after by a young man becomes fascinated with her own body, ends up having sex with him, although it is quickly aborted, and then she goes on the run. And the last we see of her is her holing up in a bothy. I think that's the right phrase. A little cabin that's designed in Scotland for people, anyone to come along and just take shelter in if they need to. She finds one of these places and then, after fleeing from a man who we believe is a sexual predator and intends to molest her, she ends up removing her skin, revealing an alien underneath, quite different from the one described in Faber's book. This is more of a, a glossy black android. Things don't end well for her either. The one commonality that we have between the film and the book are the journeys, the people that she encounters, and indeed the 
conspiracy that's behind it. The people that are following them around and making sure that the acts that she carries out remain hidden. So when we start to think about role-playing games, this conspiracy is probably a good starting point, isn't it? Now, I thought about a few different ways that we could run a role-playing game based on this. I think it would be tremendously disheartening to try and actually role-play the characters who are abducting humans as cattle. I suppose we can think about games like Jared Sorensen's The Farm, where ostensibly the characters are waiting to be slaughtered, and the game revolves around their interactions before they are picked. I haven't played this game, but this is... I imagine to be in the same sort of spirit. That again would be quite a grim thing, just playing the victims waiting to be killed. There's not really many ways which Isseri's victims can fight back. They do escape at one point, but that victory is short-lived. They're unable to alert the authorities and they're simply hunted down. I did perversely think about the game Ribbon Drive, simply for the idea about driving up and down stretches of lonely roads, trying to find hitchhikers. I'm wondering how that could be modified. Ribbon Drive is, of course, all about the mixtape and adapting to the music that's being played in the car. I don't really think it's a particularly good fit. And I think any kind of game where we're, we're talking about playing the extraterrestrial preying on humans is going to be quite miserable. So that leaves the one thing that's that's available to us, which is really a third party investigating disappearances. And you do have a lot of interesting hooks into a sort of investigative game. You have the opportunity to investigate people who've gone missing as hitchhikers. And in the most case, they won't have been picked up normally because there's no one to raise the alarm that they've gone missing. But let's say Isley makes a mistake, which she does. At that point, at that point, she takes someone who will be missed and that draws the attention of their family and subsequently the investigators. The investigators then look into other disappearances in the area, which have probably been logged for paperwork's sake as missing persons over months, maybe years. It depends on how long this conspiracy goes on for. From there, the investigators can start investigating the vicinity looking for clues as to what has happened to these characters, things that they might have left behind. And just as Under the Skin does paint a fairly three-dimensional picture of each of Isley's passengers, we have, therefore, a fairly good idea about the kinds of lives they've led and what impressions, however weak, they may have left. All things which an investigative team could latch onto retrace their final steps and then make a case for someone going around and abducting people. The other thing that the investigators could then come into contact with is not Esley herself but her enforcers, shadowy motorbike riders or or aliens in some other guise who want to dissuade people from following them as much as possible. What kind of tactics would they employ? If they can't simply clean up their mess and erase any trace of their victims, do they have control over local law, th- law enforcement? Do they make other people disappear? Do they understand our society? Is that what they specialise in, just as Islia specialises in enticing male hitchhikers and abducting them? This is a corporate machine. It will have various forms of service personnel. Quite possibly there are some that we never encountered in the book. If you were running this as a an investigative scenario, then as soon as you actually make contact with the aliens, it's going to be a short-lived scenario. 
you've got to find a way of drawing that out as long as possible. And that means one of two things. If it's a one shot, then you pace it over a few hours. You let people grab the clues. You hint at people's disappearances and you try to use the environment they're in. We're talking about um, miserable remote Scotland or somewhere similarly rural to inject a certain amount of folk horror into the whole setting. As soon as the PCs find the farm, well, they're likely to do a couple of things, none of which are particularly subtle. One, of course, is alert the authorities and show them where the aliens are. The aliens will either go on the defensive and fight back or they'll they'll disappear and try to wipe away all trace of them ever being here. All the PCs will tool up with dynamite themselves and go in to stop the trade in human flesh once and for all. Either way, a big fight at the end. And the ending will raise some questions. Is this the only operation of its kind on the Earth? How far do the Vest Corporation's connections in Earth go? That could be something for an ongoing game. But we've got to remember that in Under the Skin, this isn't a conspiracy where the Vest Corporation is heavily invested in human politics. It's got no interest in involving itself there. It's more like they're game hunters. They recognise that our world is a dangerous place and they're here simply to capture a rare delicacy and then take it away and not get caught in the process because getting caught will probably mean their destruction. So that's it, Under the Skin by Michael Faber. Certainly not the easiest book to think about converting to any kind of role-playing game, but I would urge you, if you read it, to think about the characters, all of them, in the book, including the ones that Isley picks up. All of the characters, the victims, Isley herself, the other people who work on the farm, even the young noble Vess who stows away, they're all three-dimensional characters with motivations and generally good intentions, even if those intentions are only serving their own species and without any concern for ours. If you want to draw a trail of breadcrumbs for characters being abducted and vanishing, They need to be three-dimensional characters as well, because we've got to bear in mind that someone has cared for these characters enough to raise the alarm, and that's why we're involved. Okay, that's enough of that. Thank you for listening. If you've got any comments, we're on social media, and you can leave comments on the website as well. Till next time, ta-ra.